0: Hey Lead Hers! it's another episode of the Lead Her Lessons Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Raya Alahi. She is a dear friend of mine and an influencer in the health industry. And today we talk about what taking control of your health really looks like and how she has started her two health-related businesses. But before we jump into the episode, I wanted to share something with you guys. After Raya and I were done talking and I packed up all the microphones, we continued to have a discussion and i wish that i had gotten it for you guys to listen to but we talked about fears and we were just discussing the fears related to being a business owner and reya who is someone i really look up to and i believe has all her shit together you know she divulged to me that she's fearful as well She's fearful that maybe her businesses won't succeed, and she wasn't trained in the legalities of a business and what it looks like to build out a website, but she told me she just utilized her resources and figured out a way to make it happen. So what I want you guys to get from that before we get into the full interview is that even if it seems like someone has it all together and you think that you could never do what they're doing, you can. You just have to do it. You have to begin. Because once you start and the ball gets rolling, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy and it doesn't mean you won't have times where you sit back and think, gosh, what have I gotten myself into? But once you start, it's going to be much easier to push forward and go for it. Life is too short and too precious to not try and no one's going to do it for you. So here it is, guys, my interview with Raya Alahi. Hey Lead hers. welcome to the Lead Her Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gabriel. I'm a mom, an entrepreneur, and a true lover of learning. And each week, I wanna bring you along as I sit down with women from all walks of life. We'll discuss business, personal growth, health, family, and everything in between. So whether you're already a badass businesswoman, or maybe you're a mom on a mission, listen up, it's time for a lesson. all right lead hers welcome back to another episode of the lead her lessons podcast i am here today with raya alahi she is not only one of my great friends but she is a beautiful and inspirational businesswoman she has a long list of credentials she is has a master's degree from life university uh, in sports health science with a specialization in exercise physiology she is a certified life coach from emory and the founder of two businesses, Flourish and Food for Tiny Thoughts. So Raya, thank you so much for sitting down with me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's go ahead and jump right in. I want you to talk to us a little bit about your upbringing, your childhood. Who is Raya? Where did you come from?
1: All right. So um, my parents are from Pakistan. I was born in Ohio, raised in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then in Atlanta for about 20 years of my life. I, um, you know, my parents made us value school a lot. Uh, they made us really appreciate what we had. They would take us back to Pakistan. And when we would go to that third world country and we'd see how privileged we were to come from such a great nation, um, it made us really work harder in school and value the upbringing in which we were brought in.
0: So your parents being from Pakistan and there's obviously a, little bit of a different outlook for women and education over there. How did that affect how you viewed education?
1: So my grandmother, um, she was from Afghanistan. She was not educated. Um, A lot of girls there are not educated if they come from the villages. Um, Fortunately enough, my cousins, they came from the cities, so they were able to go to college. and, And now The younger population, about 60% of them are educated. Uh, but at the time it was so important. My grandfather, you know, instilled in all of us that we needed to be able to stand on our own feet, um, as women and before marriage, which is usually a societal norm. By the time a girl is 21 to 23, she's married off into a family. And my grandfather was very educated. He was a lawyer by, um, Schooling. He was a businessman by trade. He um, got Saudi banks to invest in Pakistan after the partition in nineteen forty-seven, and so he really valued education and instilled that into us at a, at an early age. And just coming from a society, um, for example, I'm sure you've heard of um, Manala Yusufzai. Um, you know, just seeing her story of how education was so important to her. That's something that thousands of girls deal with and when we would go back home and we would see it it really made us appreciate it whether it was public school or you know which is the way we were raised um just being able to grow your mind and, and and learn because learning is beautiful and um you know it changes civilizations it changes nations and it's something that no one can ever take away from you and uh then with that gift you can help people with what you learn. And so that was instilled in us pretty early.
0: Absolutely. And now with all your education, you are helping people. You are a health coach at the Center for Internal and Integrative Medicine in Atlanta. So talk to me a little bit about the mission of the center and how you got to be a part of it.
1: So um, I got my master's from Life University. It's a vitalistic school. It focuses primarily on preventative care. Every discipline of study has something to do with helping people from nutrition. It's primarily known for chiropractic. Um, I went there for exercise, sports, health, science. Exercise physiology was my specialty. Um, I was contacted by the doctor that owns the Center for Internal Integrative Medicine, Dr. Fatikov. He also went to life for undergrad before he went off to medical school. And because it's a vitalistic school, The way that we are taught to think is about the full body. We're taught to think about everything from the mental health of a patient, their physical health, and then, you know, hormones, everything like that. When he found out that I was studying uh, what I was, he said that he wanted me to come and work at his practice. And what Dr. Fatikov and I do is so new to healthcare, um, to have somebody on site to help patients that come in with chronic disease um, since it is so high in America and just be able to coach them and getting their goals in line and getting what they want um, to live a better lifestyle and to live a better health. And at our practice, you know, we have a chiropractor, we have a naturopath. um, I'm there. I can do stress tests on patients as well. Um, I like to see their uh, cardiac activity before I put them on an exercise regimen. And that's what I do. I sit down with patients. I get to learn about them, um, learn about their lifestyle, their habits, uh, you know, and come out with a personalized exercise prescription that gears specifically to them. and something that they they can actually value rather than when you go to a gym, they put you on the same exercise regimen as they would if you were 23 or if you were 55 and if you have had you know a heart attack these are things that we need to know before we put you on an exercise regimen
0: absolutely so at your time working with patients you were starting to notice that you were putting people on these plans you you personalized it and then people were having a hard time sticking to it so you said okay I need I need to figure out a way to help people stick to a program. So so how'd you go about doing that?
1: So um, luckily I came across uh, the health coaching certification at Emory University. I started looking into the course curriculum and I realized at that moment that this is what I need to learn uh, for my patients. Uh, A lot of my patients will come in and they'll work out, they'll eat right, but their stress level is high. They're not able to manage their stress. They are worried constantly they're living in the past or they're living in the future they're not living in the present and so I went back to school um, and I got to learn everything that there was to health coaching from an amazing university and I now can take everything that I learn and reinforce it back with my patients and what I'm now finding is that there is no relapse they stick to their schedule now Um, I'm helping them assess their goals, uh, reevaluate their goals if need be, and help them implement it.
0: So let's say there's someone listening who is having a hard time sticking to a plan. Mm -hmm. They start and stop. I'm guilty of it myself. So what would you say are just some quick tips to help people stay committed?
1: Well, I would recommend... If you can find a health coach in your area, go speak to them. Um, When we go to the medical doctors, they unfortunately don't have enough time to spend on us. It's about 10 to 12 minutes per patient. They will say, you know, you need to diet and you need to exercise if you have chronic disease or if you're close to a higher A1C count or even getting borderline diabetic. But patients have so many questions when it comes to that. Um, Unfortunately, our first education never really gave us any you know, um, formal training on eating right or the importance of exercise and what it does for the body. And so, um, and just the way that we've turned as a society, we um, sit on in front of the TV now, we're not active. You can see it in our children, um, you know, d- diabetes and as well as obesity in our children is starting to, to increase. Um, so I would recommend to find a health coach in the area um, and work with them. Help them assess your needs and, and find out what why it is that you want to lose the weight or why it is that you want to eat healthy. If you can actually find a reason, for example, I had a client the other day. She kept saying, you know, I want to I eat healthy, and I kept, you know, asking questions to figure out why, and then she finally said, well, I want to see my grandchildren graduate high school. And that was when I knew that that was her main ethos and her main core reason of why she wants to eat healthy so she can live to see that. So if you can find an identifiable trigger and
0: a motivation a r- real
1: reason mm-hmm. of why it is you want to do this, um, that's the best way uh, to go about that.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard because... A lot of times, especially for women, young women, a lot of times that driving factor is aesthetic. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have a true reasoning behind, not just a number on the scale, mm-hmm. for an arbitrary number that you've come up in your head that sounds good that you want to be at or you want to fit into a certain size, jeans, or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. if you really dig down and find what your true motivation is, I think, like what you're saying, is that'll really help you to to stick with it.
1: Absolutely. Um, There's a lot of factors that play a part in when it comes to weight loss. It could be, you know, your hormones. It can be, um, you know, um, energy levels. It can be, you know, what you're eating. Uh, You know, your GI plays a huge role in the way that you feel and the energy levels and the amount of, you know, serotonin that you're making. And so you want to really kind of see, go to a medical doctor go to somebody, Um, there's functional medicine doctors that are great too, Um, internal medicine doctors that can really evaluate and see what it is that might be hindering your ability to get the weight down that you're looking to to lose.
0: Right. And if you're a busy woman, a businesswoman, you're trying to start a business or you you work long hours, if you don't feel good and you're not healthy, you're not going to be as productive. Absolutely. So just it's important. What would you say are like the major health trends you're seeing right now?
1: Um, I'm seeing a, a trend in more plant-based diets. Um, there's a lot of great research on, uh, the benefits of a plant-based diet. I'm seeing a lot of research on, um, gastrointestinal, uh, issues, uh, as well as, uh, repairing those. Um, A lot of it is also mindful-based stress reduction, finding ways to reduce the stress that you might come across on on a daily basis, but being able to be present in the moment. I think that a lot of people, like I said, are living either in the past or in the future, and they are just living their day, just day by day to get to a certain point. And it's really important to value each day that you have and to be mindful and there's different things uh, you can do to increase the positivity ratio in your life. And studies have shown that 21 days of constant positive thinking and uh, and different um, techniques you can do actually change the frame in which you see the world. And so you start to see everything, even the little things, the way the sun feels on your face or the way the wind is feeling or just little things that your children might be doing that you overlooked before, you actually take in that experience, and those are the little things that add up to the big picture of your mental health. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, finding ways to flourish. You know, we, I, I truly believe that the absence of disease is not health. Um, that we should constantly be flourishing, whether it's our our mental health or our physical health, um, and that's why I I uh, started my firm. And I called it Flourish, Mind and Body, because we need to constantly be trying to increase um, our ability to be healthy.
0: Absolutely. So let's get into that, to flourish. So you're working at the Center for uh, Internal and Integrative Medicine. It's a mouthful. (laughs) So you're working there, and you're going to different networking events, and you're speaking to doctors, and you're realizing Mm -hmm. through what they're saying to you that there's a need. And Mm -hmm. what was that need, and how did you come up with Flourish?
1: So um, I started off seeing patients at the Center for Internal Integrative Medicine, and when I would go to networking events, I would speak to, it could be an event for moms, for innovative moms. I was just speaking about, you know, what we do at our clinic, and I started seeing the same type of questions over and over again. And when I would go to these networking events as well, I would run into other medical doctors, Uh, internal medicine practices and they realized that I could be an asset to their patient population and I realized that it would help me spread health, um, preventative health, and taking care of oneself uh, to a larger market um, and also to more people at a time. And so um, I was asked to come and speak to the event that you were at is called faces the art and science of beauty it was various people from makeup artists to um you know exercise uh as well as models and and we just basically spoke about what we thought is beautiful and and to me um while it wasn't really the aesthetic piece it was more internal you know Mm -hmm. how do you process the world how do you spread that light that you have because everyone has something to share and how do you spread that is the most important part so that you leave people feeling great about themselves and then it fills you at the same time?
0: Absolutely. So that's a big piece of why you do what you do. You mm-hmm. want to help people feel their best. Mm-hmm. So you created Flourish so you could reach a wider range of people. So you're consulting. Yep. Talk to us a little bit exactly what Flourish is and how did you get that off the ground?
1: So. Um, yeah, so like I said, it was a uh, a lot of other doctors asking me to come and consult at their practices, and so I'll spend about uh, a couple of days a month at various practices, and and we schedule patients that are interested in exercise prescriptions, health coaching. They can come and see me, um, and I knew that I needed to uh, create a firm that could, you know, reach a, a larger uh, population of patients and with that, I was able to, you know, uh, speak at other events as well. And, and, um,
0: so networking Networking has been a huge part of getting your business off the ground. Absolutely. So have you always, you know, I like to refer to Raya as the queen of networking. (laughs) She, I swear, knows every single person in Atlanta who is important. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how did you get into networking how did you find these events? And then once you got there, how did you have the confidence to talk to people?
1: I do like to meet people. I have a passion for getting to know what they're passionate about. I think that at that moment, when you ask somebody what they love and what they strive for, I think it's the Japanese call it the ikigai. It's actually, what do you live for besides your work? Like, what does your heart beat for? And I think that when I ask people this question... It's at that moment you see pure joy in their face. And just by talking to them, um, I was able to network with various uh, media agencies. There are so many networking events. If you just Google it within your city, uh, just go to them, start listening. I am um, I love learning. So I love um, listen, going to conferences, listening to... CEOs speak about what what drove them to where they are now and uh, what were some setbacks and you know how did they go past that I think that reading books is so important uh, books about you know there's John Maxwell of how successful people think mm-hmm. and just um, learning from people who've made it out there and you know understanding that struggle and Hardships and even sometimes failures are part of the journey. And uh, when I get to meet with other businessmen and women, you know, just being able to pick their brain and ask them questions um, so that I have that, uh, that's what I would recommend is, you know, everyone has something to teach you. And, you know, if you just listen, uh, listen with the intent of listening and not responding, it's just, it's great what you learn and what might serve you later on because you remember certain things that, you know, people have said and it just builds.
0: Absolutely. So how have you gotten your confidence? You, at an, I've, I've seen Raya in action at a networking <sighs> event and she is just the epitome of a social butterfly and it seems so effortless. So how did you, have you always been that confident person or is that something you've had to build?
1: Um, I would say that's something I had to build. I remember in college, I wanted to start public speaking. And so I took a class in it. And um, I went to some Toastmasters, mm-hmm. listened there, spoke in front of their uh, people there. Um, I think it, it's, you know, your happiness lies outside of your comfort zone. And in the beginning, when people asked me to come speak... I my first reaction I wanted to be like, No, I'm just gonna listen. But then I thought, no, if I want to reach other people and help more people, then I need to get past my comfort zone. And so the first presentation I had was maybe in front of ten people and then that wasn't so bad. Then I went in front of thirty people and then fifty people and then a hundred and then slowly realized that, you know, it's really not so bad. And um You've built that confidence over time and what the material you have to present to people is vital. It's vital for what I think is their health. It's vital with their relationship at home, how they see themselves, how they feel about themselves. And if I can help just one person in that crowd feel good about themselves and be excited about working out or eating right or just a small little thing of positive thinking or going back home and meditating, like then I have done what I wanted to do.
0: Absolutely. That's really great. When you are always striving to be better, I think that's when your true happiness comes through. When you're Mm. stagnant and you're just stuck in some place, whether you want to be there or not, but it's comfortable, it's hard to get out of that. But I know for myself, and I've spoken to other women and men, that when you feel like you're bettering yourself, regardless of if it's health business faith when you feel like you're having upward motion mm-hmm. that translates to happiness absolutely so let's go let's go ahead and talk about your other business food for tiny thoughts all which right. i think is so important incredible you know you were talking earlier about how childhood obesity and early onset diabetes all these things are plaguing our nation mm-hmm. and you worked as a nanny for quite a while and you've kind of seen what it looks like in the trenches and what's going on in the schools and all of that. So how did you come up with the idea for Food for Tiny Thoughts? Give us a little bit of idea of what it is and um, yeah, let's start there.
1: All right. Um, so throughout grad school, I was a nanny for an agency in Atlanta um, for First Steps where I met you. Yep. Um, and then I would probably go into the homes of over 300 different families and I started looking at the food patterns, uh, what children thought was good for them or just the lack of knowledge and I, you know, studying a discipline that focused on, you know, eating right for athletes, the importance of, you know, um, different diets for athletes and how it plays such a big role in their performance and then I was, you know... um, when I started working with the Center for Internal Integrative Medicine and I I realized that my patients, they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, I'm having to re-educate them on eating properly or, you know, what's okay for them, understanding what is processed food, um, you know, different questions that they might have asked. And I realized that even when I was growing up, I, throughout my schooling, there probably was a re-ramp of the food pyramid about two or three times, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we weren't able to figure out what was best. And, um, I saw that the lack of education within my patients, I knew that the only way, and I believe that the only way to change the, the trend of chronic disease and the upwardness that we're going um, as a nation is to educate our children early. Um, it's to at least give them the the information and the ability to process what it is that they put into their mouth, a decision that they make three or more times a day, but really truly understand what it is that they're eating, you know, and be excited about it. Um, I, I, I realized that, you know, in probably 20 homes that I would go to, I would find maybe one family where the kids would be excited about avocado and salad dressing, know, and they thought it was a dessert. So I realized that it was conditioning them, but it was also teaching them. And, um, I, I went into one home. Um, the parents were European. Uh, they had a garden in the back. Um, the little girl would go out and she would uh, cut her tomatoes and her cucumbers and she would eat it. she was so excited about it, um, because she had a relationship, uh, with watching it grow and, and then, you know, sustaining herself with that and, and nourishing her body. And, so I realized that um, it was time to provide a children's lifestyle wellness course um, to start uh, speaking to children about you know how do they get those nutrients they need what's the importance of eating what's the importance of eating the rainbow um, you know and developing a positive outlook with whole foods with real food
0: right to kind of bridge that disconnect between what you're eating and where it came from. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I have a son and, you know, I try so hard to educate him on where his food is coming from. I mean, he's only two and a half, so there's only so much you can do, but still starting young. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about your course specifically. Um, And, you know, I think it's, you said six and up, right?
1: Yep. Um, There's three class sessions. Uh, The first one is, uh, class A from 6 to 9, uh, Class B from 10 to 13, and then Class C from 14 to 18. Um, each class is d- uh, divided up with different learning styles. Um, and it's just the first two. For the younger kids, it's more of hands-on based approach. Uh, for the older kids, it's more of understanding hormones, understanding, you know, um, what it is if they're athletes, uh, what they're trying to do. Um, I will be having separate classes on uh, fueling in sports that are more for the older middle school and high school students uh, that are serious about being athletes. And um, with the younger kids, it's a lot of hands-on learning, it's interactive, it's helping kids uh, make snacks, but it's also helping kids assess, you know, if they were to go into the refrigerator and see fruits and vegetables that are there it's you know or oats and different things like that like what they can make how can they maximize on nutrition with snacks at home um, and one thing I'm learning though is that it's also educating parents it's having parents uh, learn about what we have learned at school and what we've taught the children at school but then also helping reinforce those modifications at home um, to make those healthy decisions and Um, Same with the older kids, Um, you know, my goal is to teach them how to make at least five meals on their own before they go to college.
0: That's great. Um,
1: So that they, you know, aren't Aren't plagued by the freshman 15. And
0: surviving on ramen. Yeah, you know,
1: just just basic, you know, um, having things like uh, a lemon, salt, pepper, olive oil, you know those are the basic, and garlic, those are the basic things you need to prepare a meal. It could be with vegetables or different proteins and things like that. So mm-hmm. things that I wish that I would have had the opportunity to learn before I went off to college because, you know, nutrition and food and school and studies and the amount of stress that you're under, like it plays a huge role. And um, it's important that we educate our children early. We help combat chronic disease and we help get them active. That's another part of the curriculum as well as helping them understand why being active is so important and um, why we want to foster that.
0: Absolutely. So at the Center for Internal Integrative Medicine, you work with a wide variety of clients, everything from CEOs to stay-at-home moms. What would you say are some of the health tips that everyone can benefit from. I know you do a lot of personalization, but what are some things that people can start doing tomorrow that will help to build their health?
1: Um, So I would say just try to find 20 minutes in the day uh, where you can step outside and go for a walk. There's so much research that has shown that just being outside and being around nature listening to the wind in the trees or the birds actually stimulates various parts of the brain and helps calm and relax people. Um, Another thing I would recommend that I've seen a lot of patients that need help with this is mindful eating. I think that when we're eating, we're just getting it down and we're thinking about so many other things and we're rushing out the door, we're taking down that protein bar in the car and we're not spending time focusing on the bite and thinking about how this is nourishing my body. Um, So that's very important. When you eat, just be mindful of what you are eating. Um, Another tip that I recommend is strength training. Um, That is so important. Um, I have patients ask me all the time, what do you recommend, strength training or cardio? And I think that you know, they're both different types of gains. Uh, but I think that strength training has better long-term effects for your health. Um, it helps with, um, uh, insulin reuptake. It helps with, um, healthier, stronger bones. Um, and especially for women, it's very important to strength train. So that can be using your own body weight, uh, doing pushups, uh, Crunches, squats, things like that. And then slowly working your way up uh, to free weights. Or, yeah, and then cardio. Um, you know, just getting outside or, or just getting moving, whether it's gardening and or just anything. Just being to more
0: active your- in general. Mm. You know, it can be so easy to wake up in the morning and you have your coffee as you're rushed to get into the office and then you sit down for eight plus hours, you come home, you sit on the couch, you eat your dinner, and then you go to bed, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So just sounds like you're saying, just get out there. It doesn't matter. You know, make it fun. If you love the garden, get out there and garden.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you can do different things. I mean, I have patients that are, will call their friend on the phone and, and, and walk while they're talking to their friend and, you know, it, or they'll work out in front of a treadmill and watch TV or, or, you do some weights between commercials on the television. And And
0: oftentimes people get so, they're like, oh, I don't have an hour to go to the gym, so I'm Mm -hmm. not going to work out at all. It's like, no. If you have 10 minutes, that's just as good.
1: Oh, absolutely. Even just dividing it out throughout the day, um, just little increments of working out or, you know, different tips, parking your car further walking further in or taking the stairs rather than the elevator, just different things to get you up and moving uh, and incorporating that into your life. is Right.
0: What I recommend. You know, I think that with everything we just said, the majority of people, I don't know if this is something that you come across, they know what they need to do to get healthy. They have a pretty good idea of what they should be eating or, you know, how they should be exercising mm-hmm. in to a certain extent, but they just aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to your clients who know what they should be doing, but just can't really seem to get there?
1: Well, I think that's when health coaching really comes in. That's when you really have to define the drive in which what hindered them or what really motivates them into wanting to do this. you know we, you know we all know that being active and eating right is prolongs you know our life, but you know what is it is it a time constraint is it not you know not knowing when to implement that time in the day or you know I, and that's what i do when i sit down with the patients is figure out their lifestyle and figure out ways to implement it i mean you know i deal with very busy um you know executives and ceos and so they want workouts in their hotel room. So I give them stuff to do at the hotel or, um, you know, and then I also work with stay-at-home moms. And so just helping them find that time frame for them to get that workout in is so important.
0: What do you see as far as a connection between someone's knowing what they need to do, they're not doing it because of some sort of emotional trauma or some sort of mental block? You know, there, you said there's that connection between mind and body, and how can that manifest into your health?
1: What we've noticed now, and, and something that I learned during my schooling, is that in the Western world, we look at mind and body as two separate entities, and if you look at countries who look at the mind and body as one whole, um, they have less mental health issues, They, uh, their population is generally a lot happier, and so we need to start looking at it as a whole, um, you know, mental health really does play a toll on your physical health and vice versa. And so to look at it as one whole entity is how we help the patient move forward. Mm -hmm. If, you know, I'll have patients that come in and they say, um, yeah, I just can't seem to lose that 15 to 20 pounds. I don't know what's wrong. The next question I ask is, what is your stress level on a scale of 1 to 10? And they're like 8, 9, 10. Right. And then at that moment, I know that we need to get their stress level down because it's now impacting their sleep. It's a trickle-down effect. They're not eating right. Um, there's, there's so many things that play into factors. So just trying to figure out um, their whole health um, mentally and physically is so important um, in helping them progress forward and, and getting the results that they're looking to get. Um, and so whether that's, you know, helping them with meditation or helping them increase their positivity ratio or, you know, what it is, I mean, even exercise, you know, it, it makes people happy. I mean, we, there's so much research to prove that. And, and
0: um, yeah, Elle Wood said it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. (laughs) absolutely. Um, That's great. So I think people can gather from listening to you talk that you are a very zen person. So do Mm -hmm. you meditate? And if you do, what tools, what resources would you recommend to people who Um, don't know even where to start?
1: Sure. Uh, I wasn't somebody that meditated. And when I started my certification, that was something they told us that by the end of it, we would be having a three-hour-long meditation. And so it it takes time. It takes patience. It It's okay to let your mind wander, but being able to control your thought back into your breathing, being able to control your thought into the present moment um, and really appreciate where you are and time and space at that moment is so important. Um, there's great... Uh, online material there's a podcast it's 10 minute daily meditation i think it's by adrian cook uh meditate with ac it's just 10 minutes there's different topics he does uh positivity and just different happy thoughts different things like that i started off with that um and then slowly went into mindful based stress reduction uh audio tapes and and different types of techniques. I love vinyasa. Yoga, yoga is a good mm-hmm. one. Um, I definitely recommend yoga and stretching to patients all the time, especially if they you know, um, haven't really been physical uh, at all. I get them to start stretching first, doing yoga poses, uh, breathing. Uh, we don't really notice that when we're approached with problems, we change our breathing pattern. And that plays a huge role in how we're feeling. And so, you know. Um, I think I
0: read are. somewhere that the average person like holds their breath like mm-hmm. a lot throughout the day. Like they don't even realize. You're, they're just not really breathing. Mm-hmm. And also I think um, one thing is the how important a true exhale is yeah. as opposed to like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm I'm mad. Like take a deep breath and you they inhale, but then not like that full, getting all the air out. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that people don't really know you should do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just releasing that pent up energy or, you know, what it, that bad breath out so that clean air can flow in and helping get that Zen and that mindset. Um, and so I would recommend just the internet. There's some really great meditation videos. Just, it's kind of silly in the beginning when you start you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how is this going to work? How am I going to do three hours of this? And slowly you, you learn to love it. I mean, it changes the brainwave patterns. It changes, um, the way you handle stress. And I, it took me a good month and a half to really notice it. Mm -hmm. And, but it was just 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. Um, you know whatever whatever helps you relax. Um, Sometimes I put like the aromatherapy diffuser on, or and I get in a place that I'm alone, mm-hmm. and it's I'm not distracted. Put my phone away, and it just takes practice. It's a, uh, it's it's just like working out. It's right. your and mind and
0: consistency too.
1: Absolutely, because like
0: you said, it took you a month and a half before you started to realize any true things that might've been changing, Mm -hmm. but just like anything, you have to stick with it. You Mm -hmm. know, nothing, everyone's, oh, one green drink and now I'm the healthiest person in the world. Like, (laughs) no, you need to have a green drink every day. I don't know if that's your thing, but, um,
1: yeah, it's just, the brain is like a muscle. You have to train it. Um, and you know, with exercise, there's great research on neuroplasticity. We used to believe that we couldn't expand our mind And now what we're finding is that we can. And there's different things of um, our outlook in life, how we're positive, our positivity, exercising, um, even meditation, uh, you know, uh, helps us expand our mind.
0: Right, and giving back. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I know that you are very involved in a lot of different uh, foundations, Girls on the Run being Mm -hmm. one. So talk to us a little bit about What Girls on the Run is, how you've played a role.
1: Um, So I've coached for Girls on the Run for over a year and a half now. It's an organization that works with pre-adolescent girls. um, And we talk about, you know, helping girls' believe that they can do anything they want if they set their mind to it and if they work hard for it. And it's empowering young girls, um, being kind to one another, being kind to yourself, um, finding beauty from within, and sharing, you know, that light with each other and I have watched these girls um you know when they come to us and they tell us about things for example cyberbullying or you know things I would have never thought about when I was growing up um it's so sad but then seeing how they share their kindness with each other and how they spread that love with one another and we practice up for the 5K at the end of the season, and it's so amazing to watch these girls accomplish a 5K that a lot of people don't ever really do.
0: Right, or maybe they didn't even know was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just teaching them about what else is out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, It was a nonprofit organization. I believe it was started in North Carolina, and it's now an international organization.
0: That's um, amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's just empowering young girls early on giving back and and self love and loving of each other and and helping girls grow
0: together. I think that's so important for for young girls because like you said cyberbullying and social media it can become so negative. Mm-hmm. So having a space where they're seeing older women and other their peers have that camaraderie mm-hmm. is so so amazing. I think what you're doing with them is really really awesome. And Thank you also you. are um, health coaching and involved through the Almaji uh, Davis Foundation. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: So the Alma G. Davis Foundation is a nonprofit. Um, it is a safe haven for women who have survived domestic violence. It's actually not just women. It's men, women, children. Uh, just victims of domestic violence. It's, we go in and we sit down with them and we health coach them into where do we move forward from this? Um, you know, and their stories are so amazing and there's the strongest people I think I know I've met. I mean, and so we work with helping them, um, get back into the groove of life again, um, because, you know, their world has been shattered. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, how do you, you know, help them progress forward? I mean, it's a lot of what I've found is that women talk about, uh, that the mental abuse of what happened is far worse than the physical. And so it's helping them break away from those chains where, you know, their partner or their family members told them that they would never amount to something and helping them have that belief within themselves that they can do
0: it. Yeah, talk about that mind body connection. Mm-hmm. You know, being told something over and over or being mentally abused, that's going to affect your health in one way Absolutely.
1: or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um the Alma G. Davis Foundation is is great. I mean, they do a, a an annual 5K. Uh, people get out there. It's called the walk a mile in their shoes. You can either run the 5k or you can walk a mile with a survivor and you listen to their story. So it's like walking a mile in their shoes. Wow. That's incredible. mm -hmm, It's so powerful. And that same with what you said about networking, you know, volunteering, um, servitude it's, it's so important. And, you know, I believe this motto that I, when I was in school, it was, you know, with what I learn, I help heal people, and through people, God heals me, and that was just something that I live by. And you know, listening to their stories and and helping them, it it fuels me and it fills me.
0: That's yeah. amazing. Well, Raya, thank you so much for sitting down with me thank today. Thank you. You had so many amazing things to say. If people want to reach out to you, mm-hmm. and um, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Um, you can go to the Center for Internal Integrative Medicine. Um, online or uh, Flourish Mind and Body or um, social media.
0: Awesome. <laughs> I'll link everything in the show notes for you guys so that you'll have a way to reach out to Rhea because she is a wealth of knowledge and I know that she just loves helping people and would be happy to answer your questions. So, Raya, thank you again. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: Hey, guys. If you liked today's episode and you want to hear more go subscribe to the Lead Her Lessons podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And while you're there, go ahead and leave me a rating and review. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So share this episode with your friends and I'll catch you on the next one.